Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. You know the cool thing about God? No matter our experience, our opinion, He is who He is. He is a good God. He's a loving Father. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. And even if we don't believe that, even if we think that's a load of rubbish, even if our, our life and our circumstances never actually experience that, that doesn't change the fact that that's who He is. I could disagree with gravity. I could have a skepticism around gravity. I could believe that it's a load of rubbish and it's nonsense and, you know, that's just not... But if I jump off a cliff, it doesn't matter what I believe. Gravity is what it is. And at the end of the day, no matter what we choose to believe about God, that doesn't change the fact that He is who He is and He's done what He's done and that He is available and, and desperate for a relationship with you and a, de- a relationship with me. And that's why it all hinges on our faith, whether we choose to believe and trust in Him or whether we choose to reject and abandon Him. It doesn't change who He is though. He is who He is. That's why He says, I, I am. I just, I just am who I am. I, I am life. I am existence. I am truth. I am the way. I am the life. I, I just am. And I would just encourage us to get on board with who He is. Follow Him for who He is. He has an incredible plan for your life, far greater than you could ever dream, hope, or imagine. And my prayer is that we would all discover that life. And it's not a perfect life. It's not even an easy life. But in, in, in my estimation, it's the only life truly worth living is following after the author of life. It helps us make sense of the story of life that unfolds before us every single day. Amen? Amen. Hey, give someone a high five as you take a seat. And can we thank our worship band as well? So good. I'll thank them. Thank you, everybody. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Epic. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm feeling artistic this morning, so I got the whiteboard. But just a word of warning, I'm not a very good artist at all. Um, But it's all good. It's the heart that matters, right? How good's our worship team? Really? Just make, you make it, uh, worship so much easier for us to enter into God's presence. It's awesome. Hey, um, we are just going to come off the back of last week's message today, which we looked at. I don't know if I even talked about the title, but the title was Read to Hear. So basically looking at, we read God's word to hear God's heart. And, uh, and if we don't know, you know, we'll never know God's will for our life until we know God's Word. And, and that's an important thing for us to understand. And, and statistically, we have seen, and it's been proven, that uh, the, the, the daily engagement with God's Word, the Bible, by, by Christians in Australia, is declining. Two out of ten, statistically, this was, this was six years ago too, so this is a statistic that's probably changed since then, but two out of ten Christians in Australia engage with the Bible on a daily basis. Which is interesting because never before in history have we had greater access to God's Word 
and availability for us to read it. And it's interesting because I think about like the church in China where Christianity is outlawed and forbidden. And, and, and there, are, there are Christians, underground believers, they're not like living underground as such, but, but they, they, they hide their faith because they'll get persecuted for it. They, they can't have Bibles because it's illegal. So, so they might just get a page of the New Testament and they have it neatly folded in their pocket and at night they'll read it. And, and they don't have the entirety of Scripture. They've just got one page, but that, that one page has enough truth to keep them excited and motivated and connected to God. Yet we have... Endless amounts of commentaries and study Bibles and apps and we can believe and live the life whatever we want in Australia and we have greater access to God's word but we seem to be collectively engaging with it less and less. And, and to be honest, I think that that's, that's problematic. I think that there is fruit that will be born on the other side of these patterns and trends. And so I want to speak into that for us as a church, that we would not fall into that category or that statistic, that we would be a people who would be in love with God's word and would not see it as a chore, but would see it as something that we choose to engage with because it's life-giving and helps us draw nearer to God himself. The primary way God interacts with his people is through his word. Of course he can talk to you directly through your spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Of course he can. Of course he can talk to you through creation, through nature and the wonder of, uh, of sunrises and waterfalls. And Of course God can talk to you through that. But primarily speaking, this book is God's word that he inspired men to write all throughout history that leads us to a place of understanding who he is and who we are in light of who he is. So to engage with it is important. Theodore Roosevelt said this, we looked at this quote last week, a thorough understanding of the Bible is worth more than a college degree. Wow. A thorough understanding of the Bible is worth more than a college degree. Pastor Phil Pringle says this, to be devoted to Jesus is to be devoted to prayer and the scriptures. That's what being devoted to Jesus looks like. It's not being devoted to a club where there's nice worship and a cool service on a Sunday, and that's the extent of our Christian devotion. But to be devoted to Jesus looks like a devotion to the Scriptures and a devotion to prayer. Interesting. And then we looked at how to do that because one of the biggest obstacles, in my opinion, that I observe with people that they have about engaging with God's Word is that it's complicated. It's tricky to understand. It seems like there's contradictions, and it's, it's hard to fully get my head around so we looked at a, a simple technique to help us with our study of Scripture, and that is looking at what passages are descriptive, what is describing an event in history that took place, versus passages that are prescriptive, what is prescribing a method or a behavior or a lifestyle that we need to respond to. And when we can understand which passages are descriptive and which passages are prescriptive, it will help us digest and apply God's Word so much easier and so much better. And then we looked at our daily intake of God's word and then drew that out over a whole year, what that would look like. So we looked at, for example, if we spent zero minutes a day over an entire year, we would have engaged in God's word zero hours in a whole year. If we go five minutes a day in God's word over an entire year, we're looking at 30 and a half hours of time spent in God's word, which is 1.6 times reading through the New Testament. If we up that to 15 minutes a day, we're looking at 91 hours over a year, which is five times through the New Testament. Half an hour a day is 182 hours a year, which is 10 times through the New Testament. Or 60 minutes a day, 365 hours a year, 20 times through the New Testament. 
So it's, it's doable, it's achievable when we break it down into small doses like that. Then we finished at the end of last week's service by setting a challenge that we would all get out our phones. If we hadn't already, download the YouVersion Bible app, which I would encourage all of us to do. And then we joined a plan, or at least most of us did, um, and it was called Reclaiming the Lost Art of Biblical Meditation. A seven-day plan that we did, and it took roughly two minutes a day. So we were committing to 14 minutes over the whole week to do this plan to reclaim the lost art of biblical meditation. And I did it twice. It was awesome. Um, Just because I had to spare two minutes each day, I thought, I'll do it twice. Why not? And it's more than just like us committing to, hey, let's do a seven-day devotion together. It's all more fuzzy. Like there's 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 an overarching goal, and that is just to, to establish a pattern and a practice for our devotion to God on a personal level. And, uh, and that's really what we're trying to do is, is establish that because I think you know when we get to heaven one day and we stand before Jesus and we are held to an account for the life we've lived, um, we're going to be held to account for the things that we have uh, disciplined ourselves to and devoted ourselves to. And I want to make sure that I'm devoting myself and giving the best of myself and prioritizing the things that are actually important, not the things that just make me busy. And so... God's word is, is something, I think Cindy said, that it, it never returns void, that God's promises are always there to equip us, sustain us, empower us. And so for me, uh, day three was really great. Day three uh, led me to Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4. Indeed, it would have led all of us there because it was in day three for all of us. But it talks about um, having our minds stayed on God and that when our minds are stayed or fixed or attached or anchored to God, what happens is we begin to have perfect peace and everlasting strength. When our hearts and our minds are stayed or anchored to God, we begin to encounter perfect peace and everlasting strength. That should really encourage some people. Because the world is trying to decrease our strength. The world is trying to uh, uh, take away our peace and keep us in a place of uh, being uptight, being worried, being stressed. And God is the Prince of Peace and wants us to live a life of peace and wants to give us his strength to get through this life so well and be, be victorious and be conquerors. So got me thinking. Here's where the whiteboard comes in. I remember um, in, in another life, before I was uh, pastoring here, um, I used to be a, uh, a high ropes instructor. True story. If you're thinking, no, that's not true. It absolutely is true. And um, Rebecca used to work with me and Sean Loon, who's not here. We were all high ropes instructors together. I mean, I mean, like, emotionally. Um, and... I was looking around all morning for you going, Sean's not even here. I can't even use it. But you are here hiding with your... I apologize. I apologize. Sean Loon is here. And I love him very, very much. Um, can we start that again? I remember before I was pastor here at C3 um, with Sean Loon who's sitting over there and Rebecca, we were high ropes instructors. We used to work out of Bonville at an adventure center. And... Uh, I was, I was there the day that this, this course was built and we would send kids up these poles and they do all these activities at high, heights, which the irony is I hate heights. Like, not like, oh, he doesn't like, oh, I despise heights. And I had to, you know, at one stage manage that whole facility and was one of the instructors. Anyway, um, that's the grace of God right there. But remember when it was built, well, we had one particular activity where here are the poles um, and, and it'd be like this, these 
massive telegraph poles. These poles, that's a fat pole, um, were like industrial strength, hardwood, really strong poles. And they were 18 metres in length, give or take. And three metres would be below the ground surface. Now, I'm not an engineer. Let me just say that. I'm not an engineer. I'm not even a builder. I can't even do flat packs from Ikea. So let me just make that clear. But I do know how this particular thing worked. So three metres, this pole was underground. And then 15 metres, give or take, was exposed above the ground. And then they would string a wire or a cable between the two. And kids would walk across that wire. And yay, we're having heaps of fun. It's fantastic. So as strong as these poles were, now these poles were like tons and tons of strength, like these were in in weight and super strong and the ground that it was put into was, was, they were packed in and reinforced under the ground, but but even as strong as they were by themselves, um, these poles, if external um, pressures were put on them, for example, if we had a kid up here and putting uh, pressure on this, this wire, it would pull that pole. If there was a storm and the wind was blowing against it or the rain fell and softened the ground, this pole, as strong as it would be, would not be able to stand over time the pressure externally that is on it, no matter how great it is. So what they had to do was get these wires, and there was three wires on, on three separate sides, and then they would anchor them to a massive block of concrete under the ground, like this, on both sides. Like, and these concrete things would weigh tons, right? and they would anchor them. And so that way, they were fixed... Going in, no matter what, no matter how many kids, we could have like three or four kids up on that one wire, and the pressure. Now you could have a storm, not going to affect it. You could have water soften the, the foundation. No, it's going to be fine. These things, these cement blocks, would absolutely hold those poles in place, and they aren't going anywhere. Super safe, super strong. The interesting thing is, what they would call these blocks is stays. Stays. Simply because when, you, when the pole is anchored to it, the pole's going to stay upright. Isn't that genius? Big tick for the person who thought of that one. And that got me thinking about our life. And, and we, we can be like this. We can be like super strong, super intellectual, super emotionally strong, got a life figured out. I don't need anybody or anything. I've got it all sorted. And, and, and you know, I've got a level of intelligence that I've dug my life into and experienced and understand. But... But from what I've observed of, of, of the human life and human existence is no matter how strong somebody appears to be, no matter how strong somebody says they are, when, when multiple pressures come upon them, either through people who are just pulling on them, demanding of them, people who are uh, causing stress or concern for somebody else, or whether there's other external factors and circumstances, a storm of life might come and, and, and blow us all around and, and it could even soften the foundations of what we believe to be true. No matter the strongest person, they will, they will eventually come crumbling down by the pressures that exist in life around them. But what I've also observed is that God's word is like these stays. It's a solid foundation that whoever, whoever, you don't have to have a theology degree, you don't have to be the most awesome person, the most kindest person or the most generous person. But but when you decide through discipline and devotion to anchor yourself to God's word, 
to anchor yourself to prayer and devotion to Him, to a devoted commitment to who God is and what God has, then it doesn't matter who jumps on your life. It doesn't matter what external circumstances come. It doesn't matter even if the foundations of what you thought believed to be true get, get softened and taken away from you. you. Having done all to stand, you will stand if we are anchored in God's Word, if we are stayed to the everlasting truth of God's Word. That's just what I've observed. I remember, but before I go there, a few scriptures. When this happens, Ephesians 4 says that we be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves of life or carried about by every wind of doctrine, that we will be solid. Matthew 7, 24, 27, Jesus says that devotion and obedience to God's word is like building our lives on rock. Apathy and rejection to engaging with God's word is building our lives on sand. John 6.63 says that God's words are spirit and life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. So that's why we anchor ourselves to God's word. Not anchoring ourselves to modern philosophy, not anchoring ourselves to modern trends, not anchoring ourselves to current culture, not anchoring ourselves to uh, what the media tries to uh, brainwash us to believe, but we anchor ourselves to the everlasting truth of God's word, which is spirit and life, which is profitable for us, which is setting our life on a foundation of rock, not a foundation of sand, so that once we've done that, we will not be like children in, in, in the ocean washed around by every wave and blown around by every wind of doctrine and every sort of fleeting belief that comes and goes, but we will stand firm as God's children, believing the truth. Now remember two, three years ago, coming to three years, um, Beck and Joe, who are awesome, part of our church, um, and Beck's been my PA for like 10 years, both as a high instructor and now at church and both those guys have been with us for, uh, and with this church for many, many years, back when they were teenagers themselves and we were the youth pastors and we've just grown up building the house of God together and um, got a great friendship with these guys and love them so much, even though Joe isn't here this morning. Um, but, but almost three years ago, they, um, most of you will know this, um, but they, they lost their, their first baby. Um, 20 weeks in, 21 weeks into the pregnancy um, complications and they lost their first boy, Brave. And it was horrible. It was an absolutely awful, tragic situation. And what should have been the, the happiest time of their lives, you know, they'd been married for a couple of years and thought, let's start a family and, and God is good and God's blessings all over us. And so let's start this family. And then that was the plan. And all of a sudden that plan got disrupted and circumstances changed and life got tough and on Christmas Day, three years ago, they lost their little boy. And Anna and I visited these guys the next day on Boxing Day just to, to check in, see how they're doing. And I and, um, remember walking into their, their hospital room, and thankfully they had a room to themselves, which was great. And we walked in, and I just looked around the room, and there are post-it notes everywhere. 
There's Bibles open on the bed, Bibles open on the bedside table. There, there's a whiteboard which has got like the, the doctor's instructions up there and half of it's got doctor's notes and the other half's got scriptures written on there and all the post-it notes around the room are scriptures. That, that what had happened was they, they understood that life is going to throw some unfortunate circumstances, storms are going to rage against them, but they decided to anchor themselves in God's word and that's where they're going to go to. They're not going to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, every emotion, every thought, every hurt. They're going to anchor themselves to the one thing that's going to keep them true and keep them upright and that is God's word. And for me, like, I was hurting for them. I was, and I'm like, well, it's not about me. And then I couldn't hurt any more than they could hurt. And they, they, they found faith. They found hope. They found that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable and anchored themselves to that. And that's what got them through that horrible situation. And they're able to sail through that storm with God, not without God anchoring themselves through devotion and dedication because that's what being a disciple is is we choose to anchor ourselves to God or we choose to unhinge ourselves to God that's the beauty of God he gives us free will and so many Christians just choose when they anchor themselves to God and when they disconnect themselves to God and that's not how it works we, we, we just we're all in but Jesus I believe you through every season even when it hurts I'm going to connect myself and stay connected to you because your word is spirit and truth and life. And Mark and Sue Wolf are exactly like that as well. Watching these guys is a testimony to, to how this looks in reality as well. Is that they've been fighting this, this cancer thing for five years with Sue. And it's been awful at times. Like I, I have, I've actually read, like they've given me doctor's reports where the doctor has said, get your affairs in order, the end is near. Is that right? I'm going, well, if that's not a call to faith, I don't know what is. And then when you talk to these guys in the midst of this battle, what comes out of them? It's not fear. It's not resentment. It's not worry. It's faith. It's God's word. It's truth. It's fear not, for God is with me. He who began a good work in me will see it through to completion. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly greater than I could ever hope to or imagine. That's what comes out of them because that's what they're anchored to. So they can stand upright in the plan and purposes of God no matter how bad the external circumstances are because inside of them they are anchored to the truth. The unswerving, everlasting, undeniable, eternal truth is in them because they have attached themselves to that truth. But that, that only comes by picking this thing up and reading it. You can only bring out God's word once you've put God's word in. And that comes with a devotion, a dedication, a commitment. And two out of ten spending word, time in God's word every day, I don't think that's going to cut it when these sorts of situations come to our life. When, when we're faced with, with things that are, are tragic in our world, I don't know that a, a two out of ten is going to cut it for us to then have God's word come out of us to keep us strong and keep us focused. Like Isaiah said, when we are stayed to God's word, then we encounter perfect peace. Then we encounter his everlasting strength. And these two guys are just two stories of probably hundreds in the life of our church, of people who have stayed, anchored themselves, connected themselves to God's word. And so whenever anything happens, they've got that perfect peace, when it's, which is irrational and illogical in a physical, natural sense. 
But then with that perfect peace comes this everlasting strength to continue to hold on because this storm shall pass. The clouds will clear. The sun will shine. Life is about seasons, not about stations. And the battle we face now will pass. And God will help us have victory in that battle if we, having done all to stand, continue to stand and stay focused on him. Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus says this, Man should not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. What that's saying is we should not be content with being satisfied with the things of this world. But it's the, it's the truth that comes from God's mouth, the truth that comes from God's word, that should be which satisfies us the most, which sustains us the most. Eating is nourishing. Nourishing is strengthening. When I eat a healthy, balanced diet, I am nourishing my body. And as my body is nourished, it is strengthening. It is getting healthier. It is getting stronger. When we eat on God's word, we are nourishing our spirit. As our spirits are nourished, our lives are getting stronger. We are getting healthier. We're getting more robust. We're getting more resilient. Our, our, our defense mechanisms in the spirit are becoming stronger and we can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Pete, I'm glad you're excited about this. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, pay close attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. I just, this is meant to be really encouraging. But I understand we don't wrestle flesh and blood, that there is a spiritual wrestle at play for our engagement in God's word and engagement with the things of God. And my job is to help wrestle those things and scare them away from your life. Because we're not going to stand before God at the end of our life and hold an account for how big our bank account is. And how big our asset portfolio is. Or how cool our sneaker closet is. Which mine is getting pretty cool. Like, uh, like my... <laughs> but we're held to account for our devotion to Jesus. And, and, and whether we anchor ourselves to his word. Or whether we just see it as an accessory. Our Christian faith is not an app on our iPhone that we just have on page five or six and eventually we'll swipe to it and get to it. Oh, that's right, I'm a Christian. That's right, I have this worldview that, yeah, okay, cool. As a, as a believer, our faith, our Christian worldview, what Jesus has done inside of us is not an accessory to our life or an app on our iPhone of our life. It is the, it, it's the whole Mechanism that drives it, it's the operating system that allows that phone to even work in the first place. Because it's in Him we live and move and have our being. And that's why I was so excited about yesterday. Because we proved that Sunday really is just the beginning. 
that our Christian life is actually lived out there in the big old world. And we can live in our Christian bubble all we like, come to church every Sunday and be relatively unchanged, unaffected. But I'm, I'm going to be held to account for that. If I allow the culture of this church to become a happy, clappy Christian club that doesn't challenge us, that doesn't confront apathy or doesn't call us to a higher standard of living according to God's word, I stand before God accountable as an orator of his word for what I've taught and how I've led. That scares me. Because anyway, I just love you guys so much. And I love our church and I love I love God with all my heart. He has taken a a confused and broken young man and somehow given me a position to help others discover how good he is. And and it's this book that has has transformed and will continue to transform my life. And I'm I'm not the best at being devoted to God's word. Honestly, the most the, the bulk of my reading is to write essays because I'm studying. And I know that's not good enough because the Bible is more than just an academic exercise. It's more than just to, to inform us or educate us. It's to transform us and empower us. So I'm working on this journey myself. I want to encourage us all in that journey. And so when we do a seven-day plan... It's not about the plan. It's about forming a habit. It's about rallying together and creating a culture where we're going to resist the trends of two out of ten that engage with God's Word daily. Because even if we can do five minutes a day, we're going to be doing 30 hours over a year. So we're going to start a new plan this week. It's called, if you get your phone, get your phone out. I'm still cool. We're still cool. Let's not make this heavy. It's cool. Open up a version app, Bible app. And what you can do when you start a plan, because in your profile settings, you can, you can add friends and you can, it can go through your contact lens. Uh, lens. It's really, really tricky how it does that. Your contacts list. I can say that because I'm blind. Um, the app will go through your contacts list and, and it'll, it'll pick up anybody who's got that same app and so you can add them as friends and get connected with them. It can go through your Facebook uh, friends list and you can do it that way. Um, and so then what happens is when you start a plan, you can say share with friends. And so then you can go through all your list of friends in, in the Uversion Bible app and then together you can join and do that plan together and it sends you reminders each day and you can see the comments each people have done like Dave Allen and I did a plan together this week uh, which was great by Bill Johnson and I could see the little thoughts he was having after each devotion and it was, it was wonderful and so this is the culture that we want to establish in our church because we might think that like this pole we've got it all sorted I'm okay I don't need this My intellect is enough, thank you very much. But let me say, I will guarantee you 
that somebody is going to pull on your life and stress you out. Circumstances are going to rain down on you. The very foundations of what you thought to be true are going to be washed away by a flood of life in, in some way, shape or form. And you will get wobbly and you will fall. But if we stay ourselves to God's word, his promise is from Isaiah that we will have perfect peace and everlasting strength. So the plan. Remain in me is called the plan. So if you go to plans, search, remain in me. Looking at John 15, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. And again, it's just a short one. I think this one's a five-day one. I don't think it's seven. Correct me if I'm wrong. So it's remain in me by Lainey Travis. Did I get that right? That's correct? Okay, cool. Is it five-day? Two free days. You're welcome. You are welcome. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So the title of this message is Read to Hear. We read the scriptures in order to hear God's voice. I don't think we can discover what the will of God for our life is until we know the word of God. So we're going to finish. Sign yourself up, sign yourself up to the app. That'd be great. To the, to the plan. I want to pray for two types of people this morning. And then we're going to split and we're going to have coffee. It's going to be awesome. The first type of person I want to pray for is those who don't feel like they have an anchor for their lives. Maybe you feel lost in life. And when you hear me talking about this anchor, this stay, this, this immovable force that, that keeps us upright and gives us strength, maybe you, you don't have that. Faith in Jesus, in my experience and through what the Word of God teaches us, faith in Jesus anchors our souls to eternity. So here's what, what happens. By birth, our souls are born into a corrupt, broken world that are anchored to eternity without God. And so no matter what we do in this life, that's ultimately, we're headed to an eternity after this life without a relationship with God. But, but when, we, when we have faith in Jesus, there's this supernatural thing that takes place where, where God unhinges us from being connected to that eternity and attaches us to an eternity with Him. And that is the direction, the trajectory that we are now going towards. We become anchored into an eternity with Jesus forever and ever, which is called heaven, which is called paradise. And so when we know that, that changes everything. That gives us peace. That gives us strength. That gives us comfort. And maybe this morning you don't, you don't have that. You don't have that, that assurance that you are anchored to God. I want to pray for you this morning that you would receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because that's all it takes. Not a 10-week course not a two-week meditation retreat in, in the foothills of Nepal, 
What it takes is faith. Or as the book of Romans says, it's, it's confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead for you. And the second type of person I want to pray for is people who feel like they have a blockage between them and this. That they're not sure what it is, but there's some sort of blockage. It's like there's just clutter between you and, and, and God's word and, and you'll open it, but it's just like it's gobbledygook. It's like, it's, you know, it's like you've heard tongues audibly, but it's like reading tongues physically. It's like I don't understand anything. And there's some sort of blockage there and, and you wish it wasn't there, but for some reason you just can, can never seem to find a peace with God's word. Today I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would completely blow away that blockage and allow your mind and your heart to get connected to this thing so that the truth of God will flow through you. Because God's Word is Spirit and it is truth. And Jesus tells us that we should not just eat of bread alone, but we should eat from every word that comes from the mouth of God. We should not find our our source of nourishment and fulfillment in the things of this world but in the things of God. So with every eye closed, we're going to pray right now. We're going to close the service. If there's anyone here in that first category of person who feel like they do not have an anchor for their life and they just feel like they're wobbling around and things happen and circumstances happen and people upset them and and what they thought they believed to be true is proven to to not be correct and so you feel wobbly. I would suggest that's because you need to anchor yourself to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. In plain terms, what, what, what I'm saying is, hey, you to become a Christian. You need to follow Jesus. If that's you today and you want to anchor yourself to God, put your faith in Him, Allow him to completely transform your world. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'd love to pray with you. If you would just slip your hand up and say, hey, that's me, just so I can see that that's you, if you want to make that commitment to to follow Jesus today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Or, Or maybe... And this, is, this is, happens to all of us. Maybe, maybe you are connected to God. But, but the line's got a lot of slack in it. And it's, it's just wobbling around. And it used to feel this tight connection to God and this strength. But apathy has snuck in or, or, or something in life has happened and it's, it's knocked the wind out of your sails. And this connection that was once taught is now just floppy and hanging around. And you feel a disconnect to God. You haven't fully walked away from him, but you just don't feel that that connection that you once had. If that's you, can I? Would you would you be bold enough to put your hand up? Hey, listen, I need to I need to tighten things up. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I want to feel that security of being tight with God, so that when when life happens that I can feel that the tug of resistance that's anchoring me, keeping me solid. Or maybe there's a third type of person. 
And this is the person I was talking about that feels like there's a blockage between you and reading the Bible. And you might not be able to put your finger on what that actually is. But whenever you read it, you're just like, ah, yeah, awesome. It's two people. Anybody else? Three, four, five. And maybe the blockage happens even before you've picked it up. Maybe there's a blockage that even, that even prevents the desire. And reading God's Word maybe not, isn't on your radar. So good. Hey, why don't we stand? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for these people. About 10 people this morning. A few that wanted to tighten the connection, tighten the devotion, that dedication, that, that disciplined followership of Jesus. And there's probably about half a dozen or more that said, hey, I struggle with that blockage. And I, I want that blockage to go, to go because, like I said, this is the primary way that God would speak to us. And so it's so important that we get this in our mind, we get it in our heart, we get it in our soul. Then we get, the God, we get God's Word in us, we can understand what God's will is for us. So if you any of those people this morning, would you, would you be bold enough just to come to this altar and I would just, I would just like to pray a prayer for all of you at one particular time. If you wanted to tighten the cable connection or if you want the blockage to go between you and God's Word, would you come? Awesome. If there's a wrestle in you and you know that you should be up here, can I encourage you to be, to be bold? Just to do it. And I'm not trying to put on a show to see how many people come up the front. I'd do this for one. Or feel like, no way, no way I could do that. Well, can I just encourage you to continue to wrestle with that thing and maybe see me afterwards, have a chat. I'd love to help you. For those of us who feel like the connection's tight, we're doing good, we're devoted, we're connected. Well, let's do what the Bible says and let's gather together. Let's unite our faith. Let's engage with what God is doing here this morning and unite as one. And let's pray for these people. Let's stretch out our hands. We're just going to pray for a minute, two minutes. Let's use our voices. Let's believe that God would blow away these blockages so that these people can encounter the fullness and fruitfulness of God's Word for themselves. Come on, we can do it. Let's pray. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Father, I thank you for every single one of these people on this altar. Lord, these beautiful souls who, who, who this morning want more of you. Lord, for whatever reason, they feel a, a disconnect or a, a slackness in the line of connection between uh, them and your word. And Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that would go. Lord, that you would just give them strategies and tools and disciplines, Lord, that would help them tighten the connection with you so that you would feel closer than a brother, Lord God, that you'd be right there for them, that your Holy Spirit will bear witness to their, their connection with you. And Lord, I pray for those who might feel like there is this blockage, there's there's things, there's, uh, there's distractions or there's, there's, there's confusion or this fogginess around their minds that, that blocks them from your word. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that that would go. I pray that those things would just get blown out of the way, that, that the Holy Spirit would be like a bulldozer just, just bursting through all those things that are trying to, to prevent them from having a true, deep, intimate connection with your word. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, even today, as they go home, as they, they start this new plan about abiding in me and connecting with you, that this would be the catalyst that would shift everything, that they would have a deposit in their spirit, a quickening in their heart, Lord, to know that they are connected to you and that you would illuminate and you would reveal to them the truth of your word, the beauty of your word, Lord, that they would take strategies and tools of understanding what is descriptive and what is prescriptive and all of a sudden your Holy Spirit would start to let light bulb moments go off in their spirit. Light bulb moments go off in their spirit of who they are and who you are and the life you've called them to live. So right now, Father, touch every single one of these people in Jesus' name. Lord, let them fall in love with your word, that blockages go, that understanding come, that clarity be all through their minds. Lord, the Holy Spirit would quicken them, give wisdom to them, give dreams, give visions. Lord God, I thank you that you would heal and touch broken hearts, Lord God, and that your word would transform every single person here as they choose to, to tighten the connection between you by being devoted to your word Lord that your word is the anchor to our soul and that we are going to face circumstances in life that are horrible but we can continue to stand because we are anchored to you Lord would you bless every one of these beautiful people in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Can I just encourage you guys up the front here this morning? When you pick up this word or you scroll through your app, just take, take 10 seconds before you do that and just invite the Holy Spirit to be part of what you're about to do. Say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to me? Would you... Would you illuminate the text? Would you help me understand and connect with it? And then what you're about to read, read half of it. If you're going to read a chapter, read half that chapter. And just read it slowly. And ask that the Holy Spirit would give you one thought, one idea, or one moment of, oh, Start small. See, some of us go from being zero minutes a day in God's Word, which is zero hours over a year, and we go, man, I'm going to get into gear. I'm going to do an hour every day. I want that 365-hour-a-year life. But the way you live your life and the commands on your life is unrealistic. So start with 10 minutes. Take the pressure off. 
Just because it's more time doesn't mean it's more God. Start small, baby steps. Faith like a child. So 10 minutes, we can do 10 minutes. We can do two minutes with the Bible app. It's just about forming habits, flaming passions for God's Word in us. Not so it would inform us or educate us, not so that we'd be puffed up in our academic endeavors, it's so that we'd be transformed by His Word, to be strengthened by His Word, to have, to have perfect peace, to have everlasting strength. That's the goal. Actually, even above all that, the goal really is to know Him more. Jesus is the goal of Scripture reading. Our relationship to Him is the goal of Scripture reading. And the byproduct is the everlasting peace. The byproduct is the perfect other way around. You get what I mean? So abide in Him. Abide in me. What's it called? Abide in me. Let's start that today. Five days. Join with your friends. Maybe get a connect group. That's a good idea. Maybe a connect group or your crew that you're serving on a Sunday. Let's do it together. Keep each other accountable. Keep each other inspired. Share thoughts, ideas, dreams. Maybe you guys on the altar, find a, a friend that you can help each other with with these battles of breaking through the blockages. And I get excited because I know what's on the other side of that. I know what's on the other side of devoting ourselves to God's Word and what He can do in that transformative, transformative power. It's awesome. Amen. God bless you. You're amazing. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.